Hi, and welcome to Oscar Poker. Uh, this is Sasha Stone. I run Awards Daily, and I'm here with Jeffrey Wells, who runs Hollywood-Elsewhere.com. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Sasha. This is uh, this is the kind of life that I like, really. It's beautiful outside. The sky is blue. It's fair weather. And here I am in a sound booth inside a <laughs> library talking to you about the driving issues of the moment. So that's yeah. that's my life. That's my you, life. You make that's it work. <laughs> yeah, and we, we had to take a week off because I was moving, and I moved to this yeah. tiny little town. I'm not disclosing where I lived because of various reasons, but... Let's just say that Sasha has moved to a, a very, very nice neighborhood in a, in, a, in a somewhat larger place, and it has a yard for the dogs, and she's very happy. Mm. Right? I'm, 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 sure I'm serene... Okay. I'm serene and co- living comfortably in a way that I never have before, meaning I have a yard, I have a washer and dryer. Um, it's very quiet and peaceful in here. It's a little bit outside of L.A., but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I am a city girl at heart, and so we'll just have to see how all this goes. <laughs> but uh, but it's, a work in, it's a work in progress. Um, so you're anyway. living somewhat similar. In, I, I don't know what the median income in the town that you're living in, but you're living in a somewhat similar uh, call it an economic or spiritual uh, situation that I live in, in Wilton, Connecticut, yes. which is a very rich town and it's full of beautiful trees and green grass and rivers and very, wood, very similar. So, um, yeah. Mine would have a little tiny bit more of the sort of Californianess to it, but um, mm-hmm. uh, how far, how long does it take you to get to the city from where you are? Just an hour. I just pop on the train and, you know, sit there and write whatever, and then I'm in Grand Central Station. It's yeah. Much my, less hassle than driving in or driving even a half hour somewhere, so it's pretty nice. Mine's a little a little bit over an hour drives to L.A., but as okay. I'm talking to you, I'm watching a beautiful hummingbird, like, feeding off of the flowers right in front of my window. Like, that's really amazing. <laughs> um, you should so, buy a hummingbird feeder and put it outside. I know, your I know, I know. It's just I, I got the feeling that in this town it's kind of frowned upon to have them because there's so many wildflowers. Like do people think there's something kind of weird about feeding them sugar water when they could be I don't know. Anyway. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but okay. I might do it anyway because I love hummingbirds. Um Okay, so tell me what you said earlier about your friend, what your friend said about American fiction winning the People's Choice Award. Uh, well, he thinks. Uh, but first of all, he his feeling uh, is uh, uh, most people have not been in any way contrary about American fiction because it's apparently a pretty good film. Uh, uh, Jordan Rumi said that it was uh, kind of reminded him of an Al- Alexander Payne film. It's got very smart and 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 witty dialogue, and that Jeffrey Wright, of course, is always good and everything, but he's very good as well but he thought it was derivative of so of quote unquote so many other sundance movies uh quote unquote uh failed writer returns home after being fired or losing a loved one in this case both dealing with family issues etc cetera, etc cetera. and he um uh, gives them a good reason to sell out his ideals and um, uh, anyway, he said, I only realized it was a based on a book at the very end, which made me realize that all the clever and very sociopolitical stuff probably came from the book. Wright, of course, is great, but he's always great. Uh, the movie itself, it has its moments, but that's about it. And then he uh, speculates. He says, I think the fix was in uh, at Toronto because Cameron Bailey, the head of the festival, didn't want... 
another movie by a white filmmaker winning People's a People's Choice Award three years in a row. Um, uh, I don't know how he knows or speculates that. I have a, another friend who was up there, and he thinks that's a nonsense uh, uh, take. Uh, however, a critic one does believe that like Alexander Payne's The Holdovers is a far, far better film, and that that will definitely get best picture or best director nominations over American fiction, or at least probably, you know, there'll be more enthusiasm for that than American fiction. And, uh, that's, so that's what he said. That's just one man's opinion, but that's what he said. Hmm. So if you, I don't know if you've heard anything or read anything, but, uh, you know, whenever there's a, uh, a film that has anything to do with, uh, with, with uh, cultures of color and diversity and whatnot, it, there's an automatic, uh, understanding that you know you you don't you don't want to be too rough or in any way critical. In fact, you want to be as obliging as possible because nobody wants uh, you know people thinking that you're you have some sort of blockage about about uh, you know black films. So that's what you have to you have to read all these uh, uh, praising reviews, and a lot of people like it. So I don't I, I'm not presuming anything. I, I mean, this one guy didn't like it as much as others and there was a woman on huff post who you mentioned i read her review uh she didn't think it was as good as it could have been but you know people are always going to say they don't like something uh, diversity and i mean differences of opinion are going to happen it's not a big deal so you know mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to it i mean i was told that I, I my my cantankerous self i will probably like it so let's see yeah gonna, i mean it sounds oh, promising oh. i like the concept of it which is that from what I could read, they just say that, you know, it's about um, this idea that black subjects, black films should always be about like oppressed and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the sort of Hollywood shuffle, I'm going to get you sucker kind of thing of like mm-hmm. the only one kind of black person that can be portrayed. And, and um, uh, mm-hmm. but but what I found interesting about that was that the book Erasure was written in 2012, which was really when. The hysteria over racism began. Be, be clear with people. Erasure is American fiction and vice versa. They just gave it a new title. For yeah, Erasure is the novel. Right. And, um, and what specifically do you, do you understand that Erasure alludes to? Uh, the term Erasure means what? Well, in, what? in the case of this book and what I'm hearing about the film, I haven't read the book or seen the film, but mm. it's saying basically that Erasure is Erasure of black people as individuals or successful black people or, 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 you know, taking a stereotypical view of, of how a black person grows up in America and, 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 and permanently affixing the oppressor and oppressive oppressor and oppressed categorizing Mm -hmm. that we've, we've, we've come into. But so, so what I think is interesting is that, the book was written in 2012, and, and why that's interesting is that that's really before all the mass hysteria over race started in this country. I've traced it and tracked it and looked at it, and I know yeah. that right around 2012, and this was actually the same time as I became like a woke Oscar blogger, as people remember. I mm-hmm. only was writing about race and gender, and it was right around this time. It was just before 12 Years a Slave won uh it was the second term of the Obama presidency, and we had all decided that Obama was had upset a good amount of Americans, and they were all racist because he was a black president. Mm-hmm. And that led to this critical race theory. I think there was an idea that we have to un-racist America, and we have to do it child by child, mind by mind. 
Mm-hmm. And and it just that's when it really started and and it just kept getting bigger and bigger online. And mm-hmm. before long there was this whole new rules about how we see people, how we see black people, how we're allowed to talk about black people, white fragility and all that. And I remember yeah. a friend of mine wrote this um album last year called A White Album about her own reckoning on race. And one mm-hmm. of the songs was about her mother growing up in the south and being friends with a black boy. And I just mm-hmm. said to her, don't you think it's weird that you think that you can know what the life was like of that kid? Like, you can't really know, right? I mean, not everybody grew up exactly the same way. Like, my friend Michael, he he grew up as a very middle-class black kid. His father was in the military. You know, they went. parents went to cocktail parties. He went to Catholic school. They were upper middle class. You know Michael. I brought yeah, him. of course. Yeah. And so... You know, Michael is to me sort of this example of someone who doesn't fit that stereotype. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what erasure means. It's like, you know, we're not just this monolith of oppressed, you know. I mean, we are a president of the United States for two terms. Oprah, Michelle Obama, you know. Mm-hmm. There's right. so many examples of Beyonce, you know, of people who... Uh, are, you know, pillars of the black community, yet for some reason the subject matter is always this, it's not really, but that's the subject of the book and the movie. And Michael's family you've mentioned is a, um, uh, you know, as you say, it's a, it's a fairly well-to-do family, but they're also uh, kind of conservative-minded in some ways, and they're definitely somewhat homophobic in their attitudes about LGBTQ, correct? Um, you don't want to say that? Uh, no, his... You know, his mom, I, I told you that story about Michael's uncle, right? Michael yeah. had an uncle named James, and right. he right. was known to be gay, but, and he lived with his, they called him his roommate mm-hmm. for, um, for like 30 years or something, his roommate. And, mm-hmm. and then it was never really accepted that he was gay, but he was obviously gay. And, and Michael's mother, once Michael tells me this story, said to her, to his father, I think we know they're not roommates. <laughs> so <laughs> she she got it, you know, and she gets it that Michael's gay too. And, you know, the father was a little less accepting and was didn't really speak to his own brother and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um but Michael did come out to him and uh and he then got Alzheimer's and forgot that Michael came out to him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think yeah. I've told this story already. It might yeah. even be on yeah. one of our podcasts. I've I know I've told it to you before. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that so we basically are coming to a to a understanding. I mean, Scott Feinberg is very. He wrote a thing about the that this is really something for American fiction. It's definitely going to be a best picture contender, which it, it might well be. I mean, you know, I'm, again, we're all keen uh, on bated breath, uh, looking at waiting to see it. I think it opens on what twelfth of November or sometime around then, early November, I think. So let's let's just you know hold, put everything on hold until everybody gets to see it. And, yeah, I mean, as you, around, as you yeah. pointed out, we shouldn't, you, you told me this this morning, we shouldn't just knee-jerk reaction that it's a woke choice mm-hmm. just because we know that they're woke. The, right. I mean, the, the watching those awards was hilarious. It was literally like being at a at a religious meeting, like a church, listening to how they talk. And that's, that's the norm right. on the left mm-hmm. now, especially among the right. young. That's okay. just how they speak now. It's so strange. But... um. But I don't know. I mean, like you said, I don't know that it's just right to 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 leave to that conclusion. What I will say is, I I got a little bit of a tepid mm-hmm. re, resp- um, 
assessment of the reviews. I didn't see a lot of A pluses. I saw a lot of Bs. I saw a lot of, I mean, I did see one from, was it Jordan Hoffman or somebody like that? There was like a 9.5 slash 10 rating. And okay. I, um, I think that that says maybe it's it's um, <clears throat> exceptional, but but there are not a lot of big name critics covering this this film. Steve Pond okay. is probably Steve Pond and Jordan Hoffman maybe. Candr- mm. Candace Fredericks are like the biggest names that are. Well, Scott was there. He's written a whole thing about it this morning, and he was uh, <clears throat> and he was attended the big screening on the eighth, like what that last Friday or something. Anyway, so. Anyway, let's here's let's jump over to Drew Barrymore having changed yeah. her mind. To uh, she said she was going to go ahead with her show, and I think her, I don't remember her rationale. I think was it something as specific as what Bill Maher had said. He Bill Maher is not going to not not going to reignite, restart his show, uh, and try to be to be the same thing. He's going to do a uh, a show un. Uh, uninformed by by writers, uh, you know, no 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 good smart repartee in the in the opening monologue or any of that stuff. Um, but he, uh, I don't remember. I mean, he said he just wants to do a stripped down version without writer input. So he's adhering to the spirit of what the strike is. This is going to be without writers. It's going to be a talk show, which will basically boil down. It's going to be an HBO version of uh, <clears throat> of his of his podcast, Club Random, uh-huh. which, is, which is fine with me, you know. But basically, he wants to help out people who work for the show, who are apparently hurting pretty badly and he just felt well why don't we just do some kind of half-assed show without writerly input and then when and if it's uh it's all it's uh it's all uh you know settled which might be you know this month might be next month let me read you a uh an opinion from a writer director that I know. He just wrote me this morning. He said, Drew Barrymore's reaction to the backlash, because people were saying, you know, you're, you're a scab. Don't do this. You know, cancel your idea about returning to the air. It's, he said, it's not unexpected that she did this because she's more of a pleaser than a disruptor. The pushback was so severe. That's there. I think her show is called the talk. No, that's, a, that's another show. I, I, I I'm, I know what the view is. I don't even remember what her show is called. Do you? No. <laughs> just maybe it's just Drew Barrymore show. Who knows? Yeah. He sa- he says Bill Maher probably won't blink, especially since he'll most likely have political pundits on his show and can justify real time as in the vein of like Face the Nation or Meet the Press minus com- comedic wraparounds. He's also a defiant guy and will revel in the headline making persecution from the guild um the dumbest take on the drew barrymore fracas comes from elizabeth wagmeister whose goal is to seemingly be this generation's runa barrett uh i'm not gonna i'm gonna slip slip over the wagmeister thing because he just i'm gonna go anyway five months he says is too long for a showbiz strike and there was no end in sight until top showrunners started questioning WGA leadership, as well as Bill Maher opting to anonymously, autonomously uh, take care of his own business. Now the WGA strike could wrap up by Halloween. Um, and he says, again, Drew Barrymore wants to be liked, so she caved, but the reality is, is it really worth pressing ahead with a daytime talk show when you're being called a scab and a craven and having craven third-tier guests getting catcalled by protesters outside? That's Oof. probably not a good look. 
Um, his last statement is, I said, why Halloween? Why not next week? Why not the week after? Why, why all the way into the end of October? He says, it's Halloween because it takes time to draft language, present the proposal, get a vote, etc. Also, the AMPTP. It takes produces- time for writers to write. Yeah. Can yeah. you just see them? No, that's a good first draft, but let me give one more pass at it. No, okay. I think I think you try a little bit too hard in that first paragraph. <laughs> Maybe mm. we should go back and you can see them like negotiating as writers the writing of the thing. No, mm. um, I, I think, mm, yeah, okay. Anyway, continue. He says it will be Halloween because, again, it takes time to draft language, present the proposal, and so on, get a vote. Also, the, the producers, AMPTP, would want to then negotiate with SAG before Thanksgiving hits. You know, God, words, help you know, us. What about, what about you guys also, you know? And then he's just a conjecture since Apple TV just suspended two high profile deals. This could go either way, but a deal with the WGA means the AMPTP will want to get SAG resolved so films like Deadpool 3 can resume. (laughs) Uh, He's being facetious. (laughs) I know, I can tell. Yeah, you know, um, like I was telling you this morning, they're they're just they're at a really weird point in time. I mean, I'm I am my grandmother worked for the unions AFL CIO her whole life, so I okay. have to be by loyalty to her supportive of unions. I also actually tried to unionize um, a box office company I worked at one time. We tried to unionize, so theoretically I am pro union. But this particular moment in time, these guys are being threatened by total nobodies who can take to the web and produce their own scripts and make their own movies and have mm-hmm. personalities and become celebrities on YouTube and TikTok. It just seems like a weird time to take yourself out of circulation, especially for like the late night comedies people, you know, like those guys, like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a tough, I know that they're doing their podcast or whatever and Bill Maher is trying to come back, but to not be able to you know Bill Maher wants to make Lauren Boebert jokes. You just know he wants to be out oh, there. Oh, sure. <laughs> doing the monologue. Like, that is like the a joke made from heaven for him. Like, <laughs> By but, the way, Lauren Boebert and a boyfriend who she's been seeing for some time since her divorce uh, proceedings, <clears throat> they were in a, 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 a theatrical uh, uh, musical, uh, Beetlejuice, somewhere in, in, in Denver. And what they did was they acted really boorishly. Uh, it's not so much that, you know. That is she, not what happened. Don't lie. It's, well, no, I'm not lying. It's exactly what you can she see. She wasn't acting boorishly. They were acting just like any of all of us used to act back when the left was still I have cool. never taken a flash photo of a, of a show in progress. That's ridiculous. I've never done that. Nobody was. What, what do you think? This is some that. sort of, nope. uh, this isn't, this isn't a hush, quiet Broadway show. It's something totally different, and it's you Denver. You can't take a flash photo. Yeah, you think she deserves everything she's gotten in the press because she took a flash photo? Are you serious? Do you think every single person in this country is following around with a surveillance camera watching everything now they you're, do? Now you're changing the topic. I'm just saying it's it's awful to be so declassé. That's not what she's photo. getting. That's not why she's in trouble with them. That isn't why she got kicked. She got kicked out for vaping, supposedly. I don't believe it. No, it, it, no, it. It's in the video. Have you seen the video? She is vaping, and a woman taps her on the shoulder and says, would you mind not doing that? And she goes, fuck yourself. That's what happened. Well, it's in the video. Yeah, it's know? rude, and, and I know a lot of rude people. Are we going to – is that the new normal now? Following people around with cameras and 
if we it's don't like them. It's not following them around. It's a security camera from the theater. And yeah, yeah. And how many people on the left are followed like that and surveilled like that? And and every single thing they do at every single concert and then embarrassed. I don't That's think it's normal. a left-right thing. It's boring. It is absolutely a left-right thing, 100%. And you know it. They want she to take claimed, her down. She said, I didn't vape. And there wasn't, and uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the evidence is right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what? So so now we're all of a sudden the good behavior police. Like it's bizarre. Um, We are like the weird pearl clutching. He's got his hands. He's got her his hands all over her boobs. She's wearing a sexy dress. She's having a good time. You know, I know a lot of people like that. I see them on Instagram. But she's being punished because she's right wing. She's being punished because she's MAGA and you know it and don't pretend otherwise. Because I won't stand for it. It's bullshit. Everybody knows it. And I don't want to live in a country that follows people around with cameras, hurls them into the arena. I don't want to live in a a country where people take flash photos of of plays. Yes, let's make it illegal, Jeff. Let's make it illegal. Let's arrest <laughs> everyone. It's, it's, you know what déclassé means? You know what borscht means? It's like, Jesus Christ, show up. All right, how respect. about this? You fell asleep three times while watching Poor Things, snoring. I had to nudge you. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you actually had your cell phone out. But that wasn't déclassé. That was just my... You had your cell phone yeah. out, and you were scrolling it while they were doing the tribute to Yorgos Lanthimos. That's considered crowd. What are they going to do, throw you out too? Film you? Take a well, picture of you? I think it's different to be... Looking at a at a phone and flashing photography. It's not different. It, it's it not is. different. If somebody in the theater is smacking loud on their popcorn and you say, could you please stop doing that? And they say, fuck you. You're going to turn around and say, that's fine. But if it's Lauren Boeber doing it, it's suddenly not okay. I just, I'm just calling out the hypocrisy of it. There is a, um, you know, um, the Kevin Sessoms. He does a lot of uh, Facebook posts from his travels. And he got very angry at a woman in London at a musical. And I'm trying to remember what it was. But she was eating potato chips during the show, you know, with a crinkly bag and all that noise and crunch, crunch, crunch. And he couldn't stand it. After a while, he said to her, we will you please stop this potato chips during a show you know you're and then she 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 refuses of course and you know i am i'm entitled i paid for my ticket i'm mm-hmm. gonna eat potato chips and he took a picture of her and <laughs> posted on facebook and she and her friend are looking like oh what are you doing to us you know all we did was eat potato chips why are you being so cruel <laughs> i think I think I hate the people who haven't any respect. I think for we're all, all we all should just ease up a little bit. And I think that we have this. Fuck that. We, I'm not going to ease all up. All right, then. That. Then I'm not going to defend you when people take pictures of you snoring and put it online and laugh <laughs> about it. All right? That's fair game now. From now on, anything anybody ever it's not, does. It's different. It's different. It's if not different. Not off, it's different than being aggressively gauche. By, a lot of people think you are aggressively gauche. I'm sorry to have to tell you. I'm not, I know what gauche is. I have a pretty good idea. Uh, People, the the lore, the Jeff Wells lore in movie theaters is notorious. So let's not. That's not, I just simply don't. I mean, if I, if you saying that I'm going to nod off every now, every now and then, that's not being All right. My my point is that I think it's fine to criticize someone like that. I think it's fine to admonish them. I don't think it's fine to hurl people into the public arena for shaming like they did with her. And go after She's her lying. for everything. She it wasn't the, the six camera exposed the fact that she was fucking lying. So then she said, "Okay, you're right. I was doing that." Yeah. That's, so that's not being predatory. 
Yeah, I know. But you know what? I liked the left better when we weren't the behavior police. I really did. I liked us better when we were the rabble rousers, when we were the counterculture, when we were the rules breakers. I hear that. I hear that. But but I I don't like this buttoned up puritanical bullshit that's going on. I really don't. They're all mad at her because he's groping her boobs. If I... How many That's times okay. have I had she my boobs groped? But, if but I, I wore a dress like that, I'd, you want the outcome of that evening to be the guy's hands all over your boobs. That's okay. what you want. Uh, you don't wear a dress like that sitting next to a guy when you're drunk out of your mind at a show and not want uh, this guy to be groping you. It's the whole point, and it's fun. Think, That's, a t- That's a good time on a yeah, Saturday night. You, you don't want to interfere with the uh, respect shown to a show. You, know, you're not, you don't want to do anything that's distracting other people. Yes, and I will say the only thing I will say about that is that she is an elected official. And when you're an elected official, you have to be more careful and you have to set a good example. That's the whole point of being in office. Amazing. I can't believe he just said that. He just said that it's it's actually good to show respectful. uh, I think that if you are a normal citizen like me or you, it's different than if you're an elected official in a movie theater. You can't just say like, I'm just out having a good time because you're, an, uh, you know, people voted for you and, and you're expected to have some sort of decorum in public. Right. So I get that. That part of it is fair. But okay. the slut shaming and all that, oof. I, watching. I don't, I don't really agree with slut, slut shaming is fine. You know, I, mean, I mean, it's not fine. It's, it's okay if you want to be intimate with somebody next door, but I don't think you should do it in a, in a big way that maybe is going to cause somebody to, to look at you and say, excuse me, would you stop doing that? We're watching a, a musical put on by professionals would you please you know wait until you're <laughs> i guess i guess uh you know i guess petticoat junction like i don't know what i don't know what this new left is i can't i can't uh i can't vibe with it, it you know this is not the the era i grew up in but um, you grew up in an era in which people behave themselves in public now don't mm, tell me you don't know what that means no called, we didn't we did not grow up in that i certainly didn't grow up in that well, era i did i Grew up and went to theater all through the 70s and 80s and occasionally in the 90s and the aughts. I know what it is to be in a in a theatrical you know venue and you know the lights go down and you fucking sit there and you don't make a fuss, you don't act like an asshole. You just watch the show and clap and that's it. And after it's over, you know, go live your life. Fine. Well, oh, that's different. It's different if it's a Broadway show. That's not what this. That's was. what I'm talking about. This a isn't. This show. isn't a Broadway. This isn't a Broadway show. This was more like a concert. No, she was at Beetlejuice, which is a musical, theatrical musical. Well, right? Yeah. Not, okay, it's, fine. It's, but I'm I'm just telling you, we can move on from this because it's too long, okay. and I'll probably have to cut much of it out because nobody cares about this argument. But, Why? Um, That's what, what's wrong with having an argument? We're, we're we're respecting each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can keep it on there, but I'm just saying that you know, I grew up in the counterculture. Right, the counterculture left of the, the Puritans, the buttoned-up side. They were the right when I was growing yeah. up, and you mm-hmm. know, and the the if if AOC was in a movie theater and the guy's has hand all over her boobs, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's she, not. She wouldn't do it. But if she did, stupid. that's too dumb to let happen in a public venue. Yeah, I know. And 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 look, that's place. that's that's the downside of populism. That's the downside of 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 representation of a certain class of people that the left has now abandoned and discarded. The The downside is that they're not going to behave the way that you want them to behave because they're not part of the elite. 
and and then the cool to vape either you shouldn't shouldn't smoke even if it's vape it's not the same thing obviously as smoke but you shouldn't do that in a theater with other people sitting next to you well whatever like, like i say i'm not the arbiter of of morality and i don't want to be and i don't like it's a left called, that is called manners gross. decent manners sure it's decent manners whatever great have fun in the bubble man i don't really care like i, I it doesn't doesn't bother me that much that she did that what bothers me more is how she was bullied for it. I think that's gross. She apologized. She was bullied for lying. She was she bullied. Lied. No, that she is made not up bullshit. And said that's what happened. Then she was. That's not what happened, Jeff. Said, I was on Twitter. You don't. You don't. You're not on Twitter, so you don't know I, how. Don't say I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. Barely. What happened? You don't really follow it. You you mainly watch MSNBC and see what they say, and then you say, okay, that's what I think. But generally uh, speaking, not what I, I didn't rely upon MSNBC reporting about the uh, uh, Bobert episode in Denver. I didn't rely upon them. It was just there. I saw the video that was a security video that, that captured what she did. I know, but I love how people try to dress it all up like it's some real thing when all it really was was the chance to, to, to bully a populace like people like to do on the left. It's their daily entertainment. It's like the Roman Empire, you know, it's the gladiator. Yeah. They just Do like you to- believe that when a president gives a State of the Union message that you should call out and say, liar, bullshit, fuck you? That's what she and, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene were doing during Joe's last day. I mean, do you think there's any decorum rules that should apply these days? We just uh, the, I, I don't want to get into this because the decorum as measured by the left is very different when it comes to the right. All that shit that people did with Kavanaugh. Backing that Jeff Flake into an elevator, screaming in his face, mm-hmm. that broke decorum too. Um, what was that? Kidnapping Jeff, and that? holding Riley Gaines in a room for three hours and uh, uh-huh. b- threatening her and 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 asking her to pay them off to let her out of the room. That breaks decorum too. It's just that it doesn't get talked about. The only thing that gets talked about is when the. Well, right I'm a does. fan of Riley Gaines. I think she's all right. Person. So I don't. I don't really want to get into that. I'm. I mean, unless people are being judged equally. I don't think it's it's a, it's necessarily in good taste to always come down on one side like people on the left do and pretend that, that they never do it themselves. It's ridiculous. Well, listen, I, let's let's look keep our eyes peeled for the next time that any activist, you know, woke liberal far leftist does something gauche in a mo- in a in a in a theatrical theater in Broadway or anywhere. And if they do that, then let's talk about that also because it should be uh, well, usually absolute. it's a guy, and usually they get me too'd, and their career is over. Mm. So you know, yeah. pick a side, man. Like I'm not into public humiliation. I'm not into trial by mob. I'm not into co- convicting people in the court of public opinion. I don't mm. like that change in American culture. I wish we could go back to due process and the presumption of innocence and giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's what I like. I don't like snap judgments. I think we're headed for. I mean, what are we like? This is what is this like? Sixteen ninety two, like it's so strange. But um, but you know, that's well, they don't have any sense of class about their behavior. Class, in there's the word we're looking for. What class? What's the word? That's what it's about, Jeff. Class. You don't like the class. lower class. You like upper. Well, I, class. I don't like gauche, vulgar behavior. No, I don't. Do you? Sometimes. Do you think that's cool? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's sit next to the vulgar people, the ones that are farting or drinking beer in the seats when they shouldn't be. The well, ones I mean, that are vaping, you have to choose your poison. The ones that are giving each other hand jobs as they watch the show. You Sounds want to sit good next to, to me. To 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. Let's sit next All right, to let's, the let's move on. I don't on. want to sit next to these other people. My God, let's have fun. Yeah, why I mean, not? I, you know, that's not I, 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 I No, I don't think that you should story. disturb other people's um, uh, enjoyment of a show. I don't agree with that. Thank you. That's a, that's, that's a good way of looking at but, it. I agree with you. And in, in that, that's where I draw the line. And, but I don't, okay. I don't draw the line in myself judging what other people do unless like that girl sitting next to me, I'm sure she was a Biden voter who had her, her stupid cell phone out all night while that I had to like literally put my hand up as a shield. So oh, you're I, talking about now the, um, um, which one was that? Was that Barbie or was that yeah, uh, Oppenheimer? Um, Oppenheimer, yeah. Oh yeah, movies. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And she, and you said, would you mind please? And she yeah. looked at it like, fuck you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm afraid that ship awful. has sailed. I don't think that people are going to yeah. be able to put their phones away anymore. Mm, yeah. I think they're just going to use them and they're going to use them because they can't sit there and not use them. They're addicted. Well, she was using her phone. Let's be frank about it. She was probably using it because she found it um, um, overly dense. She felt there was no, she wasn't totally absorbed. She was no, very, no, like, Jeff. It's because no. she's young and she's addicted to her cell phone. She'd probably do it during Barbie too. Oh, she okay. was like, she was literally like texting, waiting for reactions, texting, you know, when your brain is addicted to this, the give and take of social media, it's really hard to, to, to put it down and to not. My first thought after hearing that story about the woman who texted through Oppenheimer was when I came out of it, as much as I respect it, and do, still to this day respect and admire it, I understood why someone would pull off the phone because they felt oppressed by the... I know, but you were, you were supplanting your own emotions onto the situation. I went through the same experience she did. I was yeah, but a lot of people were transfixed by the movie, including my young nieces that were sitting in front of me that were, you know, 20 and 22. Okay. It's not everybody that acts that way. And if, you, if you're going to excuse that behavior and, and go all after Lauren Boebert, then I'm going to call bullshit on that. Mm. Right? All right, so let's move on now to Russell Brand. Speaking of bad I behavior. You said you don't want to talk about Russell No, Brand. I did. I just didn't want to talk right up front about it. In okay, my well, opinion, just just to close, just to, he 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 said preemptively that it's not true and that he absolutely had the uh, what was his response? He says I absolutely deny it. Absolutely. Right, right, right. I, I just want to. I just want to. Sorry, I just want to really quickly close on Toronto because I didn't really comment too much on it. I think okay. we just both said, okay, this movie won, and that's fine. We're going to wait to see it. Mm. Maybe the fix was in because they wanted to to pick a movie. And we both agreed that the Fablemans probably won last year because Steven Spielberg was there mm-hmm. and he was in the room. And that was that was very emotional for a lot of people. And, and it was harder mm-hmm. for them to, you know, it wasn't really. Plus, it wasn't very strong last year, the competition. But mm-hmm. uh, and then you look at the holdovers, which is a huge crowd pleaser. And you look at the boy with and his heron. I think that's what it's called, right? Um, H-E-R-O-N, yes. Miyazaki's bird. movie. And yeah. you, you think about how much those movies were loved. And so you, you would think that American fiction would therefore have to be, you know, really good to have mm. beaten both of those um, movies. Mm-hmm. So um, um, all I'm saying about that is that I think for the holdovers, it's probably good because it, it, it keeps it as an underdog a little bit. Um, and doesn't put it out front as a strong front runner. I, I, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, so people I won't agree. be as willing to attack it. If it had won, mm-hmm. I think people would have gone after it. Mm-hmm. So right. it's kind of better for the movie that it doesn't. Anyway, okay, moving on. Now go ahead with your Russell Brand thing. 
Only that I, I, I don't know how you get away from this, but once you've been accused of of aggressive, bordering on actually, one woman claimed it was an actual rape, uh, you know, against her will. Um, I would presume that what it is, uh, all the all these sexual encounters, I doubt they started out as somebody jumping out of the bushes and pouncing a woman. I think it was probably he was overly aggressive. That's what happens. A lot of women decide that it's not didn't go the way they wanted it to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's a. Uh, um, I uh, mm. I regret that a, that any guy cannot show a little more gentleness, a little more, be more attuned to what she's into and what works, and you know the way. It, being overly aggressive never works. I don't understand any guy that would behave that way in intimate uh, circumstances. Uh, it's all it leads to a diminishing of of the light, of the glow of of real sexuality and sensuality. Well, and once um, you start getting too rough about it, it's really bad news, and I don't know why anybody would do that but that's apparently I, I don't obviously know nothing but apparently that that may have been the case and i don't right, understand why he right. would do that all right so i have two things to say about this the first is why now uh we went through what the me too movement in 2018 where everybody was coming out and telling their stories what how yep. long ago was that 2018 19 20 21 22 to five years ago mm-hmm. so why wait five years to tell that story what why now because um, I guess it started with, was it Channel 4 that started it? And they partnered with the London Times, or the London Times picked up on the reporting. I don't know. Why? Uh, it happened why? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah, and, and now why? it's happening. Why now? Why now? That's my question. That's my number one question when we already went through the whole reckoning. Well, they, 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 a lot of women have had, as you know, very, very infuriating uh, episodes with guys that they felt that if you were raped by russell brand you would have come forward in 2018 to tell your story because everybody else was that's what i would do if i felt and and i I know that in 2018 i told my story of sexual assault you can read about it in the new york times i was one of the first people even before the me too movement i'm in there i was one of the professional women that were asked about my sexual assault and i told the story but Wait, I, uh, they contacted you, a person from the she, Times? She, she, put it on, she put it on Twitter, okay. and she said, tell us your story. And I told a story that I had never repeated to another person right. in my life. I hadn't thought about it once since it happened. Mm. It didn't shape my life. It didn't ruin my life. But when they asked the story, they asked for our stories, I told that story, I said, when I was 13, How old were you, Sasha? When I was 13 years old, I was driven to the top of a mountain by my friend's boyfriend. Mm. And he told me I had to give him a blowjob or he wouldn't or ta- he, he wouldn't would take you rape you or take No, he wouldn't take me home. He would he would leave me up on the mountain. Oh, isn't that wonderful? I'm going to leave you up here and you're going to have to walk home. So I was that. scared and I I gave him a blowjob as gross as that is to imagine. But here's the thing. That guy ended up dying of testicular cancer. Um, his, karma. His wife. Biological karma. Okay. But it gets worse. His wife ended up becoming addicted to meth and their kids taken away from them. The kids, oh the oldest boy, had a baby of his own. And my mom told me his wife just blew her brains out. So that's a sad, sad oh legacy. So what happened to their families? Way worse than that. What yeah. was weird about mm-hmm. it was that he was that out he was dating my best friend and so to me i wasn't thinking i'm being sexually assaulted i was thinking my best friend's boyfriend is making me do something that i don't want to do because i don't want to hurt her 
This is her yeah. boyfriend. But I was put in. Anyway, the point of this, and I, I do plan on writing about this, and I just haven't yet, which is that I have a lot of stories in my past. I have uh-huh. a drama teacher who French kissed me at the end of my sophomore, no, at the, at the end of my junior year, high school. Uh-huh. Just French kissed me just before I walked out of the classroom, and I, he sent me home with this thing that he did. He also like grabbed my boob and behind the scenes when we were doing a play, he ended up getting fired for his, um, his crossing lines, bad behavior with female students. It was, you know, he was fired. I have no idea what happened to him. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was one story, you know, a million stories of terrible encounters with men, a guy who was pulling my hair so back so bad during sex that I thought I was going to die. And then he like, after it was over, he like said something terrible to me and I, I walked out. It was horrible. Um, another guy who wouldn't let me leave because I wasn't, I, I didn't want to keep having sex with him because he was really terrible in bed, but he wouldn't let me leave. I have a million of these stories and any one of them I could tell. It, I could tell either to get them fired or to ruin their lives or to... Mm-hmm. Um, gain more sympathy for me. There's a financial shakedown, whatever it is. But I never told Mm -hmm. any of those stories because to me, they didn't rise to the level of assault. Because to me, assault is what happened to me. It's scary. It's it's not some date gone wrong, you know? Um, it's, It's not you're drunk and you're making out and all of a sudden it takes a dark turn and then you have to leave. That's, that, I don't think, to me personally, that doesn't, uh, I mean... You can call basically anything <laughs> that happens to you when you're young assault if you look at it a certain way. But I was trying to be honest. I was trying to say, okay, what really felt like assault to me? What felt like something that was a real violation um, that was something he knew he was doing that was, that was bad and breaking the rules, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the kiss. <laughs> we all understand. The, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say the kiss, the bye-bye teacher. Was was I'm I'm sorry to have to say this, but it was thrilling. Mm-hmm. It was an awakening for me. I mean, it felt I went home soaring. I was so thrilled about it. Like I didn't think, oh my god, he mm. kissed me. My life is ruined. You know, and I know that makes me, you know, not part of this new movement or whatever. But I think mm. in Russell Brand's case, it's like in Trump's case, both of them were extremely charismatic people who were who were women threw themselves at them all the time. They could have any woman they wanted at any time. And I think when that happens, you're bound to stop being careful. You know, you're, you're just going to fly into situations that might seem like, in Russell Brand's case, he, that people will excuse you because you're Russell Brand, you know? Yeah, you can be the conquistador as, um, as yeah, you can be drunk and high on drugs, and you can grab a woman by the boobs, and you can, you know, and and they're just going to laugh along with it and have a good time because you're you're this famous guy, and I'm sure that happened to him a lot. He says he's a sex addict. He said he had to get over. He's talked a lot about this, um, Mm -hmm. about how he has to fight against that every single day of his life. Um, You know the the sexual addiction the addiction to porn the addiction to casual sex and it really did rule his life for many years so the question i have is through all of this why didn't these women come forward before i guess they were uh, asked and and prodded 
and uh, and uh, a, a aggressive, a smart reporter figured, you know, this. I've heard stories about Russell Brand, so I'm going to find some people. And they were asked, and I guess they went along with it because the, the deal was anonymity. They, they don't get, they, they don't have usernames, and I guess they felt, well, what's the? Where's I'm telling the truth as I saw it, so I'm going to tell her what happened. I don't see think that's innately awful of them. Uh, they're telling the truth. Uh, I don't believe I, they're it. They're not. Huh? I don't believe it. Sorry. I don't. I think it's bullshit. But they obviously had to, if they didn't do no, it on I their think, own. No, I think they they're doing say, what, I'm, what I'm telling you. I think they're, they're looking at their past, they're revisiting it, and they are um, telling stories that can be interpreted as assault now yes. by, by our hive mind that will just believe them. Right. I think that if they really were raped by him, this would have come out during the Me Too thing. Um, I think Russell Brand's become a target because he's very outspoken. He's very, mm-hmm. uh, he's has his own platform on rumble and mm-hmm. YouTube. This, this will only make him more popular though, by the way. Um, the, uh, the one story, a woman said that he had me pinned up against a wall Yeah, and it was just like, wham, bam, you know what? You know, and she doesn't like that. And the memory of that she doesn't like not, that. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. And that's what a lot of sex was like back then. You know, doggy style. I don't like that. Yeah. But do women always say so at the moment? Do they always push them away and say, no, don't do, no, they don't. They go along with it. And then later it sits badly with them. So I had, um, I had a, um, episode at a club on lower eighth Avenue one time and a woman that I was uh, having very good vibes with at a bar. And I went upstairs to a darkened area that wasn't part of the bar or anything. And there was a bathroom, I think maybe payphone. And she came up and we did this like amazing bam, bam, you know, right up against the wall, standing the two Mm -hmm. of us. And this is, uh, you know, and then she, she came home with me later that night and everything, but uh, it's probably not that different. I, what do I know? I don't know anything, but it's, I know that it was impulsive. It was fast. It was intense. And we went to chapter two later that night. So uh, this is what people do sometimes when they feel attracted. I mean, I think when you're high, like he was, and you're careless and you're wild and you're, you get a lot of praise Mm -hmm. for acting that way at a time when it was more acceptable. You know, I'm sure he was careless with those kind of situations and took what wasn't offered. But I don't personally think that's rape. I think if you're going along with it, you know, because you're nervous and you're too afraid to say anything, um, that's still makes you, you know, women aren't babies. You know, I was 13. So I get an excuse. I get excused from that because I was scared. And I didn't want to be left atop of a mountain. So right. that was forcing me. But, but for instance, my drama teacher who kissed me, mm-hmm. even though I was 16 or 17 or whatever, I could have pulled back and said, don't you dare. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Right. right. And so yeah. that's the part of it that women have to acknowledge is their mm-hmm. part in it. I'm not saying she asked. I'm not saying they asked. We're for saying it. it's in the heat of certain sexual moments. Women are kind of into it. But then sometimes they can just decide they're not into it. Exactly. And then, and then looking back years or months or whatever later, they said, that really wasn't, I didn't like that. And, I, and mm-hmm. I really resent that. And, you know, you can talk about that. But you can also have to acknowledge that it's not just a black and white thing. He didn't just pop out and take my sexuality and, and rape No, here, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of something that happened to me that was, that was probably could have been a Me Too situation. 
I met this guy at this bar. He was Irish, really cute. I liked him a lot. And and we were drinking and we were kissing and we were making out. I mean, you know, those wonderful makeout sessions that you guys, we just don't get anymore at our age. But, um, you know, making out for hours and hours. We go back to my apartment and we're making out. And he wanted to have sex on the first date. And I didn't. And so I pulled my dress down. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to. He's like, what do you mean you don't want to? I'm like, I just, it's the first date. I really don't want to. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow. And he, he literally, and I was trying to p- kind of push him out the door mm-hmm. and he pushed me back in and, and he, and he tried and he shut the door. That's a, he's a beast in other words. And he's I thought pig. he's going to yeah. rape me. And so mm-hmm. I, I squirreled up my own courage and I opened the door and I shoved him out and I locked it. And he said, fuck you prick tease. And he left. Uh huh. And so good for you again, was that a me too situation? No, not to me because I did what, you know, and could it have been a rape? Absolutely. It could have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't, I, I personally, I don't think that Russell Brand's situations were like that because he was so famous and he was so good looking and he was so charismatic. I don't think a woman would ever have the nerve mm-hmm. to do that with him. So it is right. a weird situation. It's a slippery slope and all that. But I guess I would say that if they felt raped by Russell Brand, they most certainly would have said mm-hmm. during the Me Too thing. And that it's right. coming out now um, as we're heading into an election is just, to me, very suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I just I don't trust it. I think there's something fishy behind it personally. <laughs> Let me just briefly say, as long as we're talking about sexuality and the occasional insanity that you can fall into if you're really taken with somebody and you're it's like something gets into your bloodstream and it's kind of it's a form of insanity Mm -hmm. i i wrote about in that uh minor thing where people are talking about apparently an ongoing or or affair between governor south dakota governor christy gnome and Corey lewandowski who's a longtime trump assistant and Mm -hmm. i think it's i i didn't i couldn't find it in my heart to feel to, to condemn because I think that people do get swept up on this kind of thing. Sometimes these things happen and, you know, the, the loins want what they want and the, the heart wants what it's, want it wants. And it's, um, I, I can't condemn people for succumbing to that because I've been there and I know what it's like to be insane. Right. It's also, first, it's uh, also funny how things have switched because of the nineties this was the Democrats were the side that was, you know, Gary Hart and Bill Clinton and all that. It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was all okay with us back then. And now all of a sudden everybody's pearl clutching over it. Um, Mm -hmm. She's beautiful, you know, and he's pretty hot. So I, you know, I don't know what their marital situations are. She's 51. She's got, I think a couple of kids. She's been married since 92, I believe. Yeah. He married a 9-11 widow, a guy, uh, her husband was killed on United Flight 175 that slammed into the South Tower. Uh, and they have, the two of them, Corey and his wife, four kids together. So it's not a good look to be, I mean, what's a bad look is to be, again, raising the gauche thing. They were making no secret of it in these conservative get-togethers that they happen to be attending. I mean, they didn't make any attempt to be discreet. Well, that's about, right. So we don't, we don't know what the story is, right? We don't know what well, their arrangement is. I don't know for a fact anything. I'm just saying that there's one guy in the New York Post is court. He's definitely banging her. This has been happening since 21 or thereabouts. Yeah, it's, it's just or, gossip yeah. to me. Like, who cares? God. I, I don't care that much. I'm just saying 
it happened and the reason that it it's it's a bad look and here's what i what i thought i said this is going to diminish or make it less likely that trump will want to pick her for his vice president because he probably wants to pick a woman yeah that's a good point actually and 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 someone said oh no no he'll love this you know of course he knows lewandowski uh he's 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 no no you're right you're you're 100 percent right that's a sabotage really smart clever sabotage of the and, opposition uh, wanting to weaken Trump. They want him to pick Carrie Lake, somebody crazy like that. Not well, here's one rumor. Carrie Lake was the was somehow part of the revelation about their affair because that takes Christy Nome out of the running. Oh maybe. god. Well if he picks Carrie Lake, he's a fool. It's over. It's mm-hmm. over. She's even worse than Kamala Harris. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if that's even possible. Mm-hmm. But he's a fool. He should pick Vivek Ramaswamy is who he should pick. And if he doesn't pick him, he's crazy. Because he gets younger people? Is that the idea? He's, he's great. He's on fire, Vivek. And you need somebody young if you're going to be a one-term president. You know, you need someone who can take the job day one. Certainly not <laughs> Carrie Lake. Keep her as far away as you can from that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, Lord help us. I hope he's not dumb enough. To, I really, really hope my own self. And, and as you know, I'm rooting for the Republicans because I hate the Democrats and I want them out of power as soon as possible so we can save the fertility of young people before it's mm-hmm. too late. And the right. only ones that'll do it are the Republicans. So I'm stuck supporting them until the Democrats get a grip. Um, it's like I, I wish that people like uh, I wrote the other day that Steve Schmidt, who I respect and I think is a very straight shooter, and I, he refuses to talk about the about the the, the plague element in the far left. And he says he won't even acknowledge that it's there, and obviously that's what's driving a lot of the uh, conservative right wing, even pro Trumper stuff. They they are absolutely, absolutely infuriate what's happening on the left, and he won't even talk about that. And that seems crazy. You got to acknowledge what's the crazies on the left. You have to. You can't just say it's all bad people on the right and let it go with that. That's just not right. Not fair. It's well. It's also not successful because, as you saw from that poll I sent you, after all they've done, he's still polling even with Biden, if not pulling slightly ahead. People are genuinely afraid. I'm afraid of of Biden not maybe making it all the way to to 2028 without some sort of diminishment. He's obviously diminished now. Well, he, what he wants is to win a second term and then step down and put Kamala, Kamala Harris. Harris. Now, I'll say this about them, is that this is the Obama coalition's ultimate goal, is to make history. That's why they picked Hillary, and they want a to put in the first black female or mixed-race female president woman of color. They figure it's about time. This is the only way it's going to happen. And I will give them credit in this way. Mm. After all the shit that melts away over the years from everything that we're going through, all this drama and all of our fighting and stuff, what will remain is her face in the history books as having made history. And no one's going to remember all the other stuff. So if Mm. that is their ultimate goal, I could see why they would be aiming for that like let's make history let's do this now before we walk away you think that joe's saying to himself aim i may not be in much in great shape you know from 2025 to 29 which is when my second term will be but it, it's not really that important because if i can't really cut it at least kamala can step in and that, no it's, you it's, think it's, he's saying it's that? even more no it's even more direct than that Look, I was a Joe Biden supporter early on. I went to that fundraiser luncheon in 2019, in May of 2019. 
mm-hmm. I was picked as an influencer for the Democratic Party to to go to this thing and to push for Joe. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember what he said. And he saw him. Look, he's a guy. He's obviously corrupt. And he didn't really want to be president. To him, he was ready to go into his golden years. He didn't really want to get into this mess. And he mm-hmm. did it because he felt like he was the only person who could beat Trump. And he was right. I think he was right that he was. And he felt it was a higher calling for him to put all this other stuff aside. But he picked her because how he sees his presidency, how he defines his legacy is Mm -hmm. that is putting women of color on the Supreme Court. And as the vice president, that that is how he's going into that good night is that he's going to leave a legacy behind and his legacy. He wants it to be if he can't win the war, the Russia Ukraine war, which is he would prefer that then he definitely doesn't want to leave office without having helped Obama do what Obama couldn't do with Hillary with Kamala Harris. It's 100% to me the reason that he's... He also still believes he's the only person who could beat Trump, and I actually think that's true. He is the only person who could beat Trump, even now, even at his adult stage. Um, Can I ask you something? Um, This is uh, not really related, but I I sent this to you. Uh, This was from a poll that was taken... In 2021, April of 2021, and the poll, which was by, let me see, P-P-I-P-L-S-A-Y, in other words, people say, 46% of Americans want to see Dwayne Johnson run for president. This Mm -hmm. is, again, three years ago. Since there's not a lot of likelihood that Trump's going to win in 24, not with all the the, let's not get into that, but um, it's not likely. Um, and the, the 66 percent, you know, are either definitely not or inclined to not vote for him, you know, largely because of the indictment. Why can't Dwayne Johnson be the guy? Because people want a big name. They want someone they recognize, feel somebody, they feel a certain comfort. Why, I wonder what happened to that. Three years ago, he was actually saying, I might do this in 24. And then, boom, he has not a word. And well, if, if, you know, nobody's going to go fun. Nobody's going to go up against the Democratic machine. Look at what they're doing right now. Um, the thing is, is nobody's going to go up against them. Look, look, at, look at how powerful they are and, and how corrupt they are. And, and they will destroy you if you try to go up against them. So no one's going to do that. He's not going to be destroyed, Dwayne Johnson. He would he may not, maybe not win. Oh, okay, oh are you kidding? They have, they have the media. They have culture. They have late-night comedians. All of them are on their side. They would humiliate him, and they would crush him. But I will say this for right now in 2023 to 2024, um, as I just, I just wrote about this yesterday um, on my Substack, which is that we're in a new era of campaigning. We only have two presidents who've been using uh, social media to build their platforms. That's Obama and Trump. And the reason that Biden and Trump are still the two is that nobody else has really risen to that level um, of overtaking and entering the churn. You know, the, the daily media narrative, the the online sphere and YouTube, like this is Ron DeSantis and these guys, like they think that they can just get there by going town to town and campaigning. They can't, they have to be bigger than that. They have to be somebody like Elon Musk, somebody who has that kind of ubiquity in the online sphere, in the, in the, in the metaverse. And, and we don't have many people who can do that. And so anybody who, you know, right. I think that's why we're still stagnant here is because there hasn't been someone to rise up and do what both of these men did, which was land on Twitter, 
you know, make a presence for yourself, build a coalition, build a movement online. Um, and that's the best way to do it. You get on TikTok, you get on um, Twitter, you get on YouTube. You, that's how you build a movement now. And we don't have anybody that I can see on the right. Gavin Newsom's trying, but he's so unlikable that he can't really. Kamala Harris, terrible. But so Apart I'm trying from his support of the of uh, of the of the trans thing, which I despise in him. He is not unlikable and dislikable. He's a he's actually. Pretty he, much he the does. Joe thing, except he's much sharper. I don't think he's people feel he's got a natural way. mind. What's so bad about that? I just don't think people feel that way about him. I, I think they think he's phony. Um, Did you watch him talk to what's the name uh, to Hannity on that Fox thing? Did you listen to no, her? No, I didn't response? watch that. Well, okay, but if you do watch it, you can see that he's able to keep up and be a pretty good debater, which is more than you could say for Joe. Joe's barely able to put two sentences together while stumbling. But, you know, that worked for him in 2020 really well. And Trump made a big error when he attacked Joe Biden on that first debate because Joe rope doped him. Joe was just able to be the calm, cool, collected one while Trump got too angry. And if if Trump had wrote, you know, been a, my strategy for Trump would have been condescending kindness to Joe Biden. Like, it's OK, Joe, you can finish your sentence. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That would have made him look weaker. But as it was, he made it made Trump look ridiculous and it made Biden look calm and cool. But Biden, unfortunately, while in office, didn't prove himself to be a viable president because he had to step back to the Obama era and therefore move the country farther to the left. And the country doesn't want to move farther to the left. We want to move in a different direction. So we need new blood. We need new energy. Right. And I don't want Gavin Newsom's creepy, creepy Gavin to be that energy. I want a sane person. <laughs> I just want a sane person. To, to... As a person who sounds and talks like Bill Maher, I would love somebody, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Why doesn't uh, Bill Maher run? You know, why doesn't somebody like that with that much power and that much energy? Well, you just say the machine will go after him and it's yeah, 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 him yeah. for his for his libertine ways and his. Poppers and his girlfriends and all the rest I, uh, of it. Very true. Very true. I mean, you, you think uh, you think Russell Brand is bad. I saw that girl on Twitter talk about him looking. Well, Bill Maher once toasted my breasts at a party when I was with you. Um, toasted? Yeah, he lifted up his champagne glass to my boobs. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, if he ever became a real threat, right. I'm sure all these people would come out of the woodworks just like they are with right. with Russell Brand, you know. Um, and, and I could, I could tell, I I could tell that story as a me too story if I wanted to and say, Oh, he violated me, but he didn't. No more violated you by raising his chin. He didn't. I'm saying that I could distort that story and say, I felt objectified. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were in a sense, but I, you have the character and the grace not to be offended by that. He was appreciative of a nice rack. What's wrong with that? You know? Um, not, all right. Nothing in my way of looking at it, or yours, but do you want to briefly talk about Paul Landis and then wrap up? Who? Or do you want to, Paul Landis, the F, the Secret Service guy who kind of made history by acknowledging, uh, by reporting that he found a bullet intact. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but, but, but before we do that, because I feel like we've wasted the listener's time. Um, is, I don't think so. I no? think a lot of this is pretty good. But I think we should just really quickly just let's give an overview of the I mean, this is an hour into the podcast. And we're finally getting mm-hmm. to best picture, but mm-hmm. but let's do it. First, I want to say 
Um, I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about uh, Pot of Foo since, have we? We have not. Because we saw it in Telluride, we haven't done a podcast since. Well, let's so. talk about it for a minute because I, I think it's so good that it should be a best picture contender. I don't know if it will get there. Um, well, here's what's going on. I mean, I, I never, when I was in Cannes, not, it was the only film that I felt, I felt this feeling in my chest and in my heart and my head. It turned me on. I was like so. Uh, not just sensually, but it was a, a great love story. A love oh, God, story I know. translated or, or funneled through worship of fine food preparing and fine dining and everything. It all kind of mesh, meshed together, loving this woman, but also loving food. The both of them being food foodies, it was wonderful. It just but, made but, me but feel him, so great. Him, I mean, look, you and I are both singles, so we don't have these wonderful like lifelong marriage stories, but. One of the things that's great about it is that she, Juliette Binoche and the guy who plays the husband were actually married for, for years and had kids together. So that right. I think lends to something in the film, a depth that you normally wouldn't have if they were just actors um, with each other, that there, there's something else going on. I think you sense it, but also the it's hard, it's hard for us, by the way, to remember his name because yeah. uh, Ben Watt, B-E-N-O-I-T, Ben Watt, Maggie Mel. It's not an mm. easy thing for Americans. <laughs> it's certainly not for me. And yeah. you're going to have to also do the director's name because I, I won't be able to remember that either. Tron Anhung. Tron Anhung. Tron Anhung. H-U-N-G. So at the Q&A in Telluride, he tributes to his wife that this film was a dedication to her and all the beautiful ways that she has of decorating a space and mm-hmm. that she did a lot of the decorating in the movie. And so mm. what's what's so great about Potafu, other than the things you're talking about, the amazing cuisine, like we were literally just gasping for the first half hour of that movie mm. as they put that meal together. <laughs> um, but what's yeah. amazing about it is his search for a mate to match him, that he is impressed by her cooking, and she has the same attention to detail. Mm. And I don't want to spoil the ending, um, that she, what she says to him at the end, or what he says to her, rather. Yeah, it's nice. It's a very nice ending. But it's, and I love yeah. what happens just before that, when that little girl is embraced by the Napoleon of gastronomy and treated like an equal and respected like an equal, and she goes off with him to talk to the new chef. That's a wonderful moment. Yeah, it's just a respect for cooking, a respect for food. and um, mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that, because it's really just about this this appreciation of talent, appreciation of, of genius, of gifts yeah. that people, some people have and some people don't, and right. how hard it was for him, how bereft he was. Well, I shouldn't say that. Mm. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it, but anyway, go see that. That should be absolutely one of the 10 best films of the year. And yet, and yet, there are haters out there. Julie told me that there are people who are putting it down when they were deciding about Telluride. And there's a lot of people that just absolutely don't want to know about it. And it's all about anatomy of a fall, which is, uh, you saw that in Telluride, right? I did not. Okay. Anyway, that's what their, 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 their money is on that. And they, they will be angry if France does not choose it as the French oh, submission for Best International Feature and so on. I don't think that that should get in the way of Pasafia being a uh, best picture. No, I think it's absolutely one of the best things I've seen this year. Well, and it will, I'll, I'll be able to watch it 10 times easily. But Anatomy of a Fall is mostly in English, so it's not going to qualify. 
It did. I think someone broke it down. It is just barely qualifies. It's, it's not mostly, but it's certainly partly in English. Mm. And it's also uh, a little bit of German, and it's also a lot of French. So, Because the, the courtroom is all in French. The courtroom section is the last hour, last 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that, that sucks. That, that means Pot of Food's going to get the shaft. I highly recommend it as one of the because best. Because it won the Palme d'Or. So people are going to say, well, you can't put up a movie that only won Best Director, which is what Pas de Feu won. Yeah, but it only won because it's a female director. Sorry to say. I think that's, that was true. Yes, I, I believe that. But you know. I mean, I think they want to push female directors. They want to be able to say that they don't only award men and... Um, Right. Pot is the better film. Sorry. Yeah, it is. Um, it really is. Anyway, no so the, the bottom line is that I it's I count it as one of the best films I've seen this year. And so mm-hmm. I hope people really take the time to look. That's the kind of movie that reminds me of the kind of movies I used to watch growing up. Yeah, me too. We just don't see that much of anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people that are trying to diminish it by calling just another food porn or a foodie movie, that's so fucking shallow and very shallow that's not a correct so much more going on it's just food is the entry point it's really about devotion discipline worship love communing of souls the whole thing everything it's it's so good there's there's one part in that movie oh man it just crushed me yeah um really just crushed me it was such a surprise i did not expect it um the uh anyway so basically the bottom line is that the best picture race looks to be down to a small handful of movies right now i'm not talking about winners so we don't need to go into that but let's just Mm. quickly say i will say oppenheimer killers of the flower moon barbie the holdovers and poor things those are in my mind the five Definitely, you're right. Core. It is those five, <clears throat> and, but I also should be Pazafir. But I think that also, um, uh, I think that the um, holdovers without question. But I think what's going to happen, and I don't just, I'm not trying to be dismissive here, but I don't think that um, Killers of the Flower Moon is going to gather that much of a head of steam. It really isn't. It's going to be uh, probably nominated, I guess. But no, I I think that. Uh... It will do just fine because of how he changed it. That Time yeah. Magazine article was right. so smart, so Cynthia mm-hmm. Schwartz. She's such a genius mm-hmm. um, to just get out there in front of it and say, "This is our movie. Our, we have the important movie. The important." We had this. We had this other movie in mind. You know, Birth of the FBI. Uh, the FBI being uh, the kind of the hero figure who gets the bad guys. Uh, actually, we thought that was too white, so we decided to. Throw that out and rewrite it and uh, change it. And now it's, uh, you know, saying the right things about Native Americans and about non-white people. And so it's in a better position right now, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I think they they consulted with the Osage, didn't they? Um, When they were making it, yeah. To make sure that it was kind of, you know, on point or whatever. And and he was right that he was telling the story. The book is very much about the Texas Mm -hmm. Ranger character and the formation of the... The whole point of the book is... J. Edgar Hoover's formation of the FBI, and this was their first case. Right. First big case. Yeah. First big case. And that was really the, the Osage part of it was less so, as mm-hmm. shocking and horrible as that story is. The book wasn't really about that. It was more about the, the Texas Ranger, who's a very fascinating character, and somebody should make a, a movie about him at some point. He, he just basically barely shows up at the end. The end is when the last hours in the movie really sings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably closer to the movie that he wanted to make. A little right. bit like the right. Untouchables, kind of in tone. 
But mm-hmm. um, but he de- he definitely knew he was walking into a shitstorm if he didn't be pay proper respect to the stories. And look, I don't blame him for that. I mean, I think that people today, that's all they're going to be focused on. You know, that's right. And he was smart enough to figure, okay, uh, I know what happened with. Uh, with the Irishman, uh, we basically uh, nobody wanted to hear from Scorsese another white guy gangster. That that's not happening anymore. Maybe ten years earlier, but not yeah. now. So they have to. I mean, I think people the- would have eaten it up if it was like a Wolf of Wall Street. If it wasn't, if it didn't have the Osage. But if you try to do that with the Osage, then it's going to look like you're trampling all over that's the right. history. So you can't mix the two, right? Like mm-hmm. for instance, Mississippi Burning or. Um, unforgiven or you know any movie where it's like there's a main story and then there's a, a background story not unforgiven i guess that, that that's not really you know mississippi burning was basically bullshit you know it was not about uh, the fbi doing what they did to solve the case in unscrupulous ways but it was a much better movie than killers of the flower moon i'm sorry but it's a much it's fascinating what that movie does and there are, there are scenes in mississippi burning and the music and the, and the tension, it was really, really absorbing. I, I think was much I, more into that than I was Scorsese's film. Mississippi Sorry. Burning is a really good movie. And I know people look at it now and say, I guess that they say it's a white savior movie. That's right. It is. Um, it's a white savior movie. Um, Unscrupulous white savior. It's, it's Gene Hackman. Uh, it's Willem Dafoe saying, okay, we'll do it your way. We'll cheat. We'll, we'll intimidate. We'll, we'll, but we'll bust these bad guys. And they do. And it's very emotionally satisfying. It's Sorry. literally one of the greatest Gene Hackman performances of all yeah. time. When he's, do you remember that scene when he's uh, about to, when he's talking, he's been romancing, kind of sweet talking, uh, uh, um, Francis McDormand, and she's kind of kind of likes him and everything. And then there's that moment where they're, the camera is outside the shop, and he is talking to her, but you can't hear a word that he's saying or she's saying to mm-hmm. him. But she's telling him some key business about her husband having been, you know, part of the murders of the three civil rights yeah. workers. And he, but you don't hear a word, and you can tell. This, I said, this is great cinema. We're not, we don't even know exactly what's happening but they won't let us hear the dialogue. No, it's and so it's good. Great, you know? I love the scene. I just enjoy watching that movie so much. I love the scene. And, it, and I will I will also, yes, of course, it's, you know, it's told in a way that, you know, it, it's sort of the faceless, noble black people who don't really have... All they do is sit there and feel glum and sing hymns. And that's it's a hundred percent there. True. All that's true. Um, yeah. but, but when he sees that she's been beaten up, <laughs> Gene Ackman, right. and he just takes one look at her and he turns around and he storms out and, and, uh, <laughs> and Willem Dafoe's like, wait a second, you know, you're not going to go do that. You're not going to. And he can't stop him. Of course. Like that is just such a satisfying, mm-hmm. fantastic sequence. It's what you want to see happen, and they do it for you, and that's very satisfying. And they work right. out your yeah. I mean, it from a just pure filmmaking perspective and acting, like it's it's top notch. I mean, it it still is a very highly rated film. People still really love it, even though it does have that mm-hmm. perspective problem. Um, and the chops too. You know, there's that beautiful scene in the very beginning where you hear a hymn speaking. A lot of hymns, but there's a, a hymn, a beautiful hymn. Uh, a beautiful woman singer, but you're basically, ju- it's just a, a static shot of the two uh, water fountains in, in a town, one for people of color, one for whites. Yeah. And that's all you see, but it's very powerful. And it just lays it out right plain and straight. 
what you're about to get into. Yeah, so. I, I love, I, I'm sorry, I unashamedly love that movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I watched the other day, Jeff, is the Parallax View. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Parallax. Mm-hmm. Did you, I didn't know that in the Parallax View, it has that great sequence where he sits down and they put him in this chair. Um, I'll put this in the on the podcast so people can see it, the scene I'm talking about. And they say, you know, we're going to run these images by you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember very vividly. That's the big standout sequence because the narrative stops and it becomes this impressionistic uh, 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 kind of representation of a of an angry, maligned, uh, pissed off, alienated person who wants to somehow be the bringer of truth and vengeance by by murdering people he doesn't like. Uh, that's kind of what it is. It's, oh, it's like a, so is it bra- is it brainwashing? Well, no, because what they're trying to do is see if they want, they're showing him this film to see if he responds to it. They, they, you know, they've got sensors and whatnot on his hands and arms. And the idea is to see if he is into that scenario of being the Avenger, the person who uh, takes action and, 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 you know, has a violent potential. I thought it was so fascinating. It's like love mother, Mm -hmm. father, and it just keeps showing these images in repeat. And then they just get, less and less and less variations of them and they mm-hmm. just get down to becoming more and more violent that's right um there's also a scene in that movie where he's walking through a high school and they're they're putting up these kind of puppets of presidents and it's like this high school paying tribute to like i mean it's just beautiful filmmaking it's um no it's actually that was shot at the la convention center in downtown oh, and okay. they've got the they got these images of uh, of uh, of the current uh, Senate candidate, and there's one of uh, I forget Washington is one. It's of Washington, them. and I know Lincoln's on there. Right. But what's fascinating? Yeah, the Senate candidate guy's on there too. I just looked at that and I thought, God, that is not how our high school kids are raised anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> that there's not that patriotism right. does not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, it's the opposite. So anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack us off the parallax view, but I did find that to be. And by the way, prime Warren Beatty, like yeah, that, he's in absolutely. his prime there. Woof. Yep. Good yep. looking fella. Yep. Um, yep. Shockingly so. Now you take him and you put him in a, a Russell Brand type situation, and what woman's going to say no to him? A woman tried to make something out of uh, having been taken advantage of him sexually when she was young. And that never went anywhere. She just had a kind of a day or two of uh, uh, press attention, and then it just stopped. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Well, in our next conversation, mm-hmm. we'll talk about testosterone, but we don't need to do that today. Um, okay. All right. JFK, we're talking about revisiting JFK. Um, the, I was telling you it's too long to go into it now because we're already an hour and 20 in this. Yeah. So yeah. we'll maybe have to save it for next time. But for next okay. time, the homework is to watch JFK so we can talk about the magic bullet theory and whether we think it's still true or not and and various conspiracy theories attached to the Kennedy. remember that jfk is intentionally uh, uh very it assaults you from all different and it tries every theory of of, of possible collusion or, or conspiracy and it throws it all together that oliver stone described as a counter myth the idea is not to present realism or likely scenario of what may have happened but to throw everything at you and get you thinking that the official version was was way too um, dry. And, and well, I, I was always a single shooter Oswald 
believer mm-hmm. until that guy's thing in the New York Times. And I think that it's worth taking a second look at. Um, it got His name is Paul Landis. He's a, Landis. Uh, a Secret Service guy. He's in mid-80s right now, uh, obviously coming to the end. And he, let's boil it down. It basically invalidates the or highly questions the uh, magic bullet uh, theory, uh, the bullet having allegedly passed through Kennedy's uh, neck and zoomed right past and exited at the knot of his tie and then went in, into John Connolly and uh, hit him about, you know, exited his chest and then went into his leg and hit his hand, the whole thing. And it, that was not a pristine bullet, uh, but it was alleged that it was a pristine bullet. And the pristine bullet we have now learned via Paul Landis, the ex-Secret Service guy, was, was actually a bullet that he found on the back seat of the presidential limo, and it was just sitting there. And it turns out to have been the bullet that entered Kennedy's back but didn't really penetrate that far and somehow popped out because there was a hole in his back, yeah. but it didn't really you know, push through. So that's what he's basically so saying. So the questions to ask are, mm-hmm. why yeah. would they want to kill Kennedy and who would want to kill him and why. And I know people have been talking about this for years and it's conspiracy, lots of rabbit holes on all this stuff. And I haven't ever gone down any of them, but I did, I did just suddenly decide to watch JFK. And I I also want to note that we're talking about the parallax view and we're talking about Mississippi burning and we're talking about this movie, JFK. And, and you notice that these anti-government movies just stopped Right. And that's because when Barack Obama was elected, suddenly Democrats became the church and, and mm-hmm. people don't want to blaspheme the church. So you're not seeing these kinds of movies anymore. These anti-government movies that we saw so much of back in the seventies, the paranoid, paranoid, uh, paranoid movies about the paranoid about, movies yeah. about corruption in the government, right. um, big, deep state corruption, which we mm-hmm. don't see anymore on the left. But right. it's interesting that, you know, if you watch the Parallax View and JFK and you think about, wow, filmmakers used to make movies like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's yeah. wild. I yeah. mean, in the, the Parallax View, it's 100% distrust of government. But it's not just that. It's it's all Woody Allen's movie, Sleeper. Um, you know, you could just look at any movie back then of the 1970s. Huh. They were so disillusioned after Nixon and all that, you know. That was right in the height of... Uh... Of, of Watergate, uh, they, these films, uh, Parallax was out in 74, the, the Watergate thing had begun in April of 73, but technically in 72. So it was what's the whole, I mean, Paul Schrader has, has spoken about this period, about really a, quite the paranoid era that really inspired a lot of thinking along those lines. That, that were, there's a, all kinds of stuff going on that we don't yeah, see. Yeah, and it's just about. completely, like so many other things, it's flipped. You know, the counterculture is yep. on the right. That particular kind of thinking is on the right. The sleazy sex stuff is on the right. right. Um, but what we don't, they don't have on the right, we, they, whatever, um, mm-hmm. is that magical thinking that drives so much of art and uh, that, that, that the left has been gifted with. But unfortunately mm-hmm. now that they've been sort of overtaken by a fundamentalist religion, which is basically killing right. it. Um, right. Anyway, I look forward to the days when everybody should want a Republican administration because it'll save art. <laughs> Get the art yeah. back. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. Well, let's, let's get into the Paul Landis thing next time. Yeah. There's a whole thing to get into. I, I've got it all written out. All right. I've and you got to watch friends, JFK so. And so we can revisit that movie and see how much of that we think is okay. valid and, and, and appropriate for that conversation. Okay. Right. I think we've talked enough. So it was a nice talking okay. with you. It was great. 
I, I loved it. It was a good, I love the argument part. I loved uh, all of it. So. All right. All right. Next, until next time. Okay. All right. Bye. Have a good Sunday. You too. Take care. Bye. So much I have to have so much